Hello, everybody, and welcome to the world's favorite youth baseball podcast, Clearing the Bases, featuring Coach Jimmy Filangieri. I'm David Friedman, and I want to thank you for coming along this ride with us. How are we doing tonight, Coach? We're doing good, Dave. It's that time of year again. Woohoo! <laughs> we, uh, yep. we got snow on the ground, but we got tryouts going on for high school ball. It's exciting. We're about to get right into the thick of things. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we're playing baseball now. We started our tryouts this past Saturday, and team was picked. Actually, it was announced today. So my team is picked, ready to roll, and we start practice this this Friday. Wow, that's awesome. So now, so you had your tryouts. My team's tryouts are starting on this coming Monday. And for uh, reference points, so today is, as we're recording this, is March 9th. So it is still we're up in we're in New York. So we're still we're still in winter. Um, unfortunately, uh, the uh, outside elements are not being particularly favorable for us. Were you guys able to get outside or did you have to do everything in the gym? You know, very, very unusual this year is all of our tryouts, all, all of the days we we went Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So four days we were all outside. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we've, we've been getting some, uh, some ups and downs of a uh, 60 degree day, 30 degree day, stuff like that. So uh, that's excellent. Yeah. I've been looking at the, uh, looking at the forecast and looks like if everything stays as, as uh, along the lines that it's looking right now, we should, hopefully we'll be outside for our couple of days. And we, we only need a couple of days. I've got a small, we've got a smaller school that we're dealing with a smaller pool of players um, we've been doing winter workouts, so we, we've got a good feel for the most part for who's coming in. There's a couple kids on the bubble and, you know, that's the type of thing you and I talk about all the time. I know your philosophy, I think is, is right in line with mine of, you know, need to be on your game. And that's not just, not just, uh, baseball wise, right. That's, that's in, in all aspects of, of showing up. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you've had a good look at the players. I don't have that advantage. I see them for the first time, the first day of tryouts. And, and, I, and I've said this before, I'm an observer as a coach. That's what I do. I watch what you do. And there, there, there's a lot more that goes into a tryout than just how you feel the ground ball, how you hit your athleticism. It's also your attitude and it's also the way you approach things. Yeah. And I mean, and even just even in a tryout, you can see a lot about somebody as a team player, whether they're a team player or not, I think, in, in a lot of cases, as much as the tryout is an individual thing, it's still to be part of the team. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And then I'll tell you, we have a, we had a big group. We had uh, just about 70 kids come out for the freshman and the JV team. So that's quite a few kids and that's big yes, you know you you get your clowns you get guys that are acting like clowns and i don't think that they understand that you know although that may not be the the total package that you're looking at but let me tell you something if it comes down between you and another player and i see you're acting like a clown well guess what <laughs> yeah i'm taking the effort i'm taking the effort and attitude all day long absolutely and w- one of the stories that i love to tell is Geez, this was about four years ago. We did the, uh, you know, we did the tryouts and it came down to the very last two picks. And you know how it is, Dave. Th- those picks are very difficult at the very end. The first 
10, 12 are easy. The last couple are the toughest. So there were two kids and, and one of them, you know, I, I was, I, I wanted on a team. Well, and, and my reason for wanting him on a team was because of his effort and his attitude during the tryouts. There's something about him that, that I liked. I wound up taking him on a team and he wound up starting almost every game for us in the outfield. And wow. he wound up getting my, we, we don't give an MVP award, but we give awards similar. And he got that award. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's just, you know, it's not all about the, uh, the blue chipper who's been the all-star since he was nine years old. You know, sometimes it's that, that marginal kid that by putting in the extra time and effort and, and energy and having the right attitude, they surprise you and sometimes surprise themselves and get into a position where you, you can't take them off the field, which is, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, that, that's the other thing too, is that when the tryout is all over, um, and I'm sure you feel the same way about this. I do not like to cut players. If I could, I would take every one of them. Oh, crushing a player's hopes and dreams. I love that, Jimmy. Who, you know, who, who doesn't? <laughs> now it's, it's, it's awful. Uh, it, it, it really is, especially like I said, I mean, I hate to put it in these terms, but at least with yours, you've got the misery loves company thing, because if you got that many kids trying out, that's an awful lot of kids that aren't going to, aren't going to have a spot with a school like the one that I work through, you know, you're, you're talking about a couple, literally just a couple of kids. Um, yeah. Basically that, that just, you know, we just, it, it might be that we don't have enough spots or it might be that they're such a project. And if we're not seeing the proper attitude, during the couple of days that we're together, then, you know, we don't want to sit there and feel guilty every game that they don't get in. Right. right. That, so, you know, you, you want to take, you want to take kids that are going to be able to help the team and by virtue of that helping themselves. Uh, so it, there, there's some tough things, but there's, there's an awful lot that you can see. And the advantage I have you as the head coach, I'm sure have, have a much more narrow focus as these kids are trying out as the assistant coach, I have the luxury of not always being directly involved with the play that's going on. So I can more watch the kids as they're standing in line, waiting their turn, or I can see, you know, is a kid helping somebody else with something and, or, you know, things like that. So Those I think I have a, yeah, yeah. I have, I have a better advantage of that. Hopefully you have somebody that you, you rely on to help you with that stuff. But again, to me, that, that goes a long way. Yeah. I, I believe it or not, I'm lucky because, this year with tryouts, there were, there were quite a few coaches there. I would say we probably had at least six coaches there. So okay. as the head coach, I was able to have other guys hitting fungos and, you know, doing that thing. And basically I was just, I was doing what you just described, walking around, watching how guys were acting. You know, obviously I'm looking at how they, they field ground balls and fly balls and hit and run. I'm watching all of that also, but yeah, I, I have the, the, affordability will call it of being able to watch. All right. Excellent. Oh, good. Good. Cause you know, I mean, at, at this point and uh, both of us being JV coaches, obviously our whole focus is not just on this year, but who do we see has that potential to move up through the ladder, move up to that next level to make it onto, not just make it onto varsity team and become a, a starter on varsity and become an important player on the varsity team. Well, when, when we 
when we run our tryouts, the other good thing is that the varsity coach and the assistant varsity coach are involved with the lower level tryouts. And, you know, to your point, our varsity coach has, I I don't want to say he has the, well, no, he does. He has the final say on who's going to make it because again, he's looking at it from a standpoint, like you just explained, Hey, you know, I see something in this kid that I think projects out to being a good junior and senior. I want him on the team. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's the way the team is picked. It's a collaboration. Yeah. That makes all the sense in the world, obviously, because if you, if you got somebody that you cut now, there's no saying they're even going to try out next year. So, so yeah, so that could, uh, and plus obviously by working through the JV program and taking the reps and all that, we, we talk about this stuff all the time. Obviously that's, that should only put them in a better position to contribute the following years. So, exactly. um, so yeah, so that's, so that's a big thing of putting, putting these kids, getting these kids together um, so that they can show what they can do not, not only now, but you're looking at, like we said, projecting them out over the next couple of years that feeds right into this week's topic. And this takes us in a little different direction than a lot of what our conversations are, because this is going to focus more at the other end of the spectrum as they're no longer youth players. And we're getting into actually being fully grown men, young men, but fully grown men uh, as they're going into both into the college ranks and then hopefully into the major leagues. And um, so I was very excited to have this conversation with Joseph. Uh, I think it was very, very interesting. I hope everybody likes it. Uh, let's go ahead and hit it off. And here's Joseph. We're very pleased to have with us today, Mr. Joseph Guzman. He is with the Empowerment Sports Group, and he is the MLB Draft Advisor and Agent for up-and-coming players. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by, Joe. So why don't you go ahead and tell us how your journey begins with baseball? Okay, so my dad came from Dominican Republic, played baseball, and grew up in New York, played with Sean Dunstan. And um, we, I was always with him at the ballpark. Uh, I grew up in Flushing, very close to Shea Stadium. Big Mets fan, unfortunately. Because <laughs> we don't, you know, Mets don't ever win. So I'm still waiting. Maybe in my lifetime, I'll see a, a World Series championship. But um, I just really ha- had a deep love for the game. And then my dad uh, got a transfer to Florida when I was 15. And I played on the JV team as a freshman there, Coral Springs High School. But then I ended up transferring to a high school in Weston, Florida, Sagemont, and had a really good senior year. Ended up getting a scholarship to Tennessee Wesleyan. Very good NAIA program. At that point, you know, I had some, some personal stuff going on with my mom. So I came back to Florida. And then I ended up going to um, the Dominican Republic. I played extended spring training with the Kansas City Royals at the academy down there. And uh, I ended up coming back to finish college. Um, And then at that point, like my perspective a little bit changed. And then I went and I worked with the Kansas City Royals um, back in the Dominican Republic. I worked with Jeff Deskin on cultural development, basically prepare those kids from Latin America for life in the United States. It was really neat. had a really good experience with Jeff Deskin. Um, And then at that point, I started to help players find agents. And then one of the agents, you know, he, he asked if I wanted to work with him, really good guy. And I worked with him for three years and we, we had 16 guys that I recruited that were drafted and signed. 
after that, I moved on to the agency that I'm with now in Parliament Sports Group and partnered with Michael McGinnis because our, our visions are more aligned of helping those guys with with less support and, and those lower level round guys, you know, maybe those 10 to 20 round guys. And so I just really, you know, I really appreciated the mentality he had about things and the way he was going about it. And uh, it was just a really good fit. So then this past year, we had a really good story, a 17th round kid out of Key West High School. He was uh, drafted by the Rangers in the 17th round. He only had about five or six teams that were really interested. And so he was not ranked in perfect game. He wasn't ranked in PBR, but the kid just had it mentally. He just would not stop working. I mean, and over the course of the six weeks he was there this summer, he went from 90 um, to topping out at 95. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, I love, love helping guys like that. And, um, and then most recently we had an international player sign in December. He signed with the Tigers. His name's Clayton Campbell Jr. He was in Australia. Australia's was very, very difficult to get to um, in, the, in the scouting perspective because of the whole lockdown and COVID and everything going on. Right. Um, um, so on the international side of things, most of this, most of the international scouts, they see kids in Latin America. A lot of those international cross checkers and scouts live in the southeast in Florida, a lot of them. So they host workouts here for international players and they'll bring those Latin American kids straight to Miami, have them work out in front of, in front of the bosses. And so we were able to get him into the workout and he just went off. He could just really hit. And the Tigers, they were really pressing to, uh, to get him um, signed. Uh, the big uh, international director, Tom Moore was there. And then um, the Australian scout that saw him originally, Kevin Hooker, he really, really liked Clayton. So he put in a good word. So when he got to the workout, that also helped. Um, but really cool story as well. Um, just just having a, two guys like that this year that, you know, underdog type guys, you know, get picked up and, and get to start their professional career, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, especially under the conditions, like you said, with COVID and and restricted travel and all that. So how how does a kid, I mean, I get the Dominican Republic, that's been a, call it a feeder ground for the MLB for you know decades at this point, but how does a kid from Australia get on your radar? So just a lot of good relationships that I've established in different places. There's a good contact there that I have and just helping people, even if, you know, you can't always expect people to do things for you. And I think a lot of times people think like, oh, this person should do something for me when, you know, you've never really done anything for them. So I always try to help people even before they help me because I'm just, that's just the type of person I am. So I'm very big on relationships. I'm very good, very good at, you know, checking in with people, you know, wishing them a happy holidays or, and just building relationships in that, in that sense and seeing what, you know, what they bring to the table as well. Cause sometimes we ignore information. I don't, but people ignore information from a certain person just because you don't know them mm-hmm. and then you might miss out. So I'm very open to all information. If someone reaches out to me and says, Hey man, would you take a look at this kid? And if it's, if it's a kid I can go see, I'll, I'll go and see him, you know? And I, I had a situation like that three years ago that I actually just went to Oregon to, to watch a player and then there was that player and another player 
And just because I did that, I saw the other player and it, and that year the kid ended up walking on to a PAC 12 school, didn't have any offers. And I sat with the parents for like an hour, like trying to tell them like, this kid's going to be a big leaguer. Like he's, he's got everything it takes, you know? And so they were like, yeah, but he's probably just going to go to the school or whatever. And, and so this past June, he gets drafted in the second round for like wow. 800,000 and like, <laughs> He's not one of my guys, but I recognize that only because like I listened to some information that I got and I actually went out to see what was there, you know? Right. So I, so I think having those relationships with people in different parts of the country and different parts of the world, even that I have, you know, keeping those relationships alive. Like I, like I said, I feel like a lot of people just, you know, they, they want things, but then, you know, they don't want to do anything for it. So you just reach out to someone when you want something, they're, they're going to know like, oh, you just want something. And it's not a real relationship where you're helping each other out. So I think that's a big, big part of it. So basically what, what you're doing, correct me if I'm wrong, but you take players that you hear about that are not necessarily getting the looks that someone may think that this kid has ability for this, that, or the other thing but he's not getting the look. So they'll contact somebody like you that'll come and for lack of a better description, evaluate the player to say, okay, look, this is, this is what he's capable of doing. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so I do get calls like that. I also learned a lot from Mike Medici. So Mike Medici is the Midwest area scout for the Rangers. And he has a, he has a scout school. It's called scout school 360. And um, he's a really good friend of mine. I learned a lot as far as the scouting scale from him uh, and just watching a lot of baseball, being able to evaluate kids, how they move, how their swing looks, how they use their lower half, how, just being able to project all these things and just watching all these games. I've gotten a lot better at it over the years. So I'll go and evaluate a player and I might say, okay, this player is not ready right now, but I, I might still take him and say, look, man, I think in three years you're going to turn into something. And I'll continue to have relations. I'll go watch them play while they're in college. Um, and that's basically the only thing an advisor can do. So an advisor, what an advisor does is has a relationship with the family. And then they are able to go see the player. They're able to talk to some scouts about the player. But you can't provide anything of value. So that's the difference between an advisor and an agent. Once the player signs professionally, then I become the player's agent. And then I can buy them the equipment they need. I can take them out to dinner. I can take their family out to dinner. I can do all those things of value. So as an advisor, I can give advice. I can tell them, hey, you should probably go to this summer league or this summer league, or we can talk about the colleges that they're going to. Um, Because I've had players commit to all different colleges all over the country and power five conferences, mid-major conferences. and, And we talk about the decisions that, you know, okay, how many pitchers have gotten drafted out of here? How's the pitching coach there? You know, did the pitching coach just leave? Did the hitting coach just leave? Is it a new hitting coach? Like what's their philosophy? So we sit down and kind of try to find what's the best fit. I have another player this year that was supposed to go to a Pac-12 school and he ended up at Lipscomb because there was lack of money at the Pac-12 school because of COVID and everything that happened. And, and he's just going off this spring, but he was in an environment that was – perfect for him to thrive, which is what he needed all this time. And now he's thriving. Whereas if he would have went to the Pac-12 school, he might not have gotten as much opportunity and much of a leash. 
And then he, and then he might be on the bench right away. And now he's questioning himself. His confidence is, is down the drain and it just becomes a very difficult situation. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's something we actually talk about quite a bit here. It's something I'm, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for playing at, I hate to say playing at your level. I guess we never really put it into direct terms. Jimmy and I was, we've talked uh, amongst ourselves or, or with the guests, but you know, playing at or just above your level, as opposed to um, the example I, I'll give is, you know, you get the the ninth grader that is on the cusp of being on varsity versus JV and, you know, the varsity coach pulls him up and then never plays him. And now he just had a wasted year. His attitude is going to go to crap. And, you know, the, the kids, the kids miserable. And, and I've seen, I've seen kids quit playing uh, under those conditions as of if you played him on JV, probably never sat. So what's, you know, and that, that kind of thing, and I understand, you know, kind of balancing out what's best for the team versus what's best for the individual. But in this case, it's all about what's best for the individual. Cause you're talking about totally separate uh, organizations as opposed to JV varsity where it's, where it's connected. So trying to figure that out. I mean, that's, that's gotta be just a, such a specialized skill on your behalf. You know? Yeah. It, yeah, it definitely is. It just, I, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of research on the draft. I do a lot of research on um, different coaches and I also have experiences with players that have gone to certain programs. So that, you know, one-on-one experience from the player and what they tell me, that means a lot too. It might not be everything because sometimes, you know, maybe even a lot of times the player has done something wrong and that's why they're not getting opportunities to play. You know, there's little things. You, I mean, sometimes a player is late for morning workouts. Sometimes a player is, you know, no energy at practice. He's going through the motions, you know, and I'm not there to see every, every single thing. So I also have to, you know, be cognizant of those things and evaluate that mental aspect of it. And some of the things that I do in that sense is, does the player communicate with me a lot? You know, does he, does he let me know things or am I always the one going to get information from him? So that kind of, I I figured out that that kind of, there's a correlation for sure of those players that reach out to me and say, you know, even if it's like Merry Christmas, you know, it's like they're going out of their way. They're thinking that far ahead. It shows some level of responsibility or they tell me about their game. They tell me about, Hey, I went this, you know, I didn't really feel good this game. And and I'll say, Hey, let's call me, let's talk and have conversations about it. You can tell that the maturity level is like there. And then there's other guys that, you know, don't like to be on their phone. So maybe you just have to call them and then they'll just talk to you for an hour. So you just got to like weed through and see. Um, but there's definitely different circumstances for players. Some players don't fit in certain environments. Maybe the schoolwork is overwhelming. I've had that situation mm-hmm. where they go to a very high academic school, very good baseball program, but the, the, the schoolwork is just way too much for them and they're just miserable. And then they're performing poorly on the baseball field because they're taking it out there and they're like, I'm thinking about this paper that I have to do after this. <laughs> yeah. We talk a lot about the mental side of the game and how important that is uh, and how much that can affect everything else. So I think that's, that's great because obviously anybody can look at a stat sheet, like you were talking about earlier, you know, see what's, what's, what are they getting on the, on the gun? 
um, what's their on base percentage on that. But unless you're getting in there and digging and talking to coaches and, and maybe other players on the team to really find out what is the, is it a prima donna uh, or is it somebody that's, is he the first one in the building and the last to leave type of guy? Right. right. Yeah. That, that goes a long way, man. I mean, cause coaches see all those things. Coaches see all, even, even kids that uh, miss classes, like they're just missing classes they're absent they're sleeping through the class so all those little details they start to add up and then a coach gets fed up with it because coaches want guys that are responsible that are going to do things and it's the same thing with you know the guys that you you work with right they have to show responsibility they have to reach out to coaches like don't be afraid to reach out to a coach if that's a place you really want to go to you know, I encourage, I encourage some of my younger I have players that are in ninth grade, you know, that are in 10th grade that I, I feel are going to be, you know, top round guys in the future. So I tell them like, go to that, that school's camp and see what you do there, you know, see what they think of you. You know, a lot of times going to that university's camp, if you're realistic with yourself is a much better investment than some of these other showcases where you have a thousand kids and there's 25 different fields. The scouts, I mean, the, the colleges and the scouts can only be at one place at one time. I just know? had I just had that conversation with a parent of a player. Geez, I don't know. It was a couple of days ago. The exact same thing. I said, first of all, find out what school he wants to go to academically. OK, let's get that first. All right. Then once we figure that out, then write a letter to the coach. Hey, coach, I'm interested in your school. Tell me when your camps are. You know, tell them a little bit about yourself and when is your camp and go to that camp. There is no point in going to all of these showcases when there may not even be a recruiter there from a school that, that you can go to. Right. You know, so let's narrow it down. Let's find those schools first and then go out and talk to the coach. And that's a very simple way of doing it. Absolutely. And like you said, writing a letter, writing a letter is probably one of the best things to do because no one does it anymore. So literally write, write a, write a letter, type out a letter and, and mail it. You have a better chance of that coach opening that letter than, than, than reading your email because they get thousands. And unless somebody told them to open it, it's very tough. It's very tough. You know, it's not, it's not like, it's not like the old days where you had a stack of papers. It's, it's all on a computer and if they miss it, they miss it. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. And a lot of the coaches are still older, older school guys, right? Yeah. So yeah, getting a piece of paper might impress them more. Yeah, definitely. But, but, but it also goes, it also goes to what you're saying before, Joseph, about taking the initiative. Okay. So at my level, yes, I want to see my players take initiative. I can't imagine, you know, a college coach, he, he wants you to take all the initiative in the world. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to motivate you. He doesn't want to, you know, he's not going to babysit you. So yeah. So, I mean, if you take that initiative and write the letter, then obviously that's going to, that's going to put you on his radar. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of little things, a lot of little things. Um, for me, I always tell my players, like, especially if that's your, it's their draft year, I'm going to go and see you at least one series. You know, that's, that's my promise to you. I'm not just going to, sit at home and watch the stats, you know, which is what happens a lot of times with agents, advisors, and they only go see their top guy. I try to treat everyone the same because in baseball, you never know who's going to develop. 
And I also want my reputation to be that, you know, that I, I supported, I supported you, you know, throughout everything. We also had a, a player sign with Veracruz this year, pitcher. I mean, he had a, a, a gap in his career where he didn't pitch because he had an arm injury. And then he came back and started pitching again. He pitched in, in Michigan, in the United Shores League. And then got him to the, the highest level Atlantic League at the end of the summer. So he finished in the Atlantic League. And now he's going to Mexico, which is a co- equivalent to AAA. Um, so we got him, a con- got him a contract there. And he's excited. He leaves in a couple of weeks. He's, you know, he's a little bit older. He's 24, 25. And, um, but he has a chance to be a starting pitcher in that rotation for that team. So now he does well there and it's going to open opportunities for him. Um, but I didn't treat that guy any differently, you know, because I gave him my word and I'm going to help him all the way through until he's done playing. Um, so I think things like that, you know, go a really long way. And that's, I, I feel it's very important. You know, too many guys get pushed to the wayside because they're not worth, you know, worth anyone's time or money basically. So how does, so, and, and I understand what you're saying, trying to uh, treat everyone equal and all that, but obviously there is finite time, finite number of miles you can travel in a year, even un- under the best of circumstances. So somebody is, I guess, one of those on the cusp type of players, which is what it sounds like, you know, you kind of specialize in, in, you know, anybody can get an A-Rod into, in, into a program, right? <laughs> right. So how, you know, talk, I don't know, talk a little bit about how you, I guess you already have been somewhat, but uh, more like how you do decide on the player that you're really going to work with and, and go, you know, go that extra mile with. And, and cause you, you obviously you just can't do it. You, you know, there's thousands and thousands of, uh, of high school players out there. Right. Definitely. So for this year, we have 10 to 12 guys that are legitimate draft prospects. You know, we have another eight that are, on the fringe, right? It depends mm-hmm. how it goes. Um, but any guys that are high school guys, I just create a relationship with them. And I say, you know, when that time comes and you, and you have some OB teams contacting you, then we'll start to get to work. So I don't really do too much work there. It's more of just having that relationship, you know, and seeing them play throughout college. And, I, and in that sense, I can I can probably, you know, watch a game and they will be playing against the other team. So it it, it kind of works out. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't say, oh, yeah, you're all getting drafted this year. Let me work with all of you guys. So it's definitely it's definitely a, a finite group. But if I see something there and, I, and my gut tells me, then I'll, I'll, I'll have a relationship with that player. I'm not going to go and see them all the time, but I'm going to I'm going to continue to watch them and, and see them grow. You know, I have some freshmen at some programs this year that they weren't draft guys in high school, but they're definitely going to be in two years. So we always we just stay in touch. We text. We talk back and forth, see how they're, they're doing, you know, but those aren't my priority guys right now because they're freshmen, they're underclassmen. So usually it's it's the juniors, you know, it's the juniors that they get the most attention from me, like showing up to their to their games and things like that or going up to. Uh, the New England League or the Cape Cod League to go watch them play. You know, those those definitely take priority. Um, I would say, you know, 10 to 12 guys this year, legitimate draft prospects, some arms that are 94 to 96, touching 97, um, some really, really good hitters in Juco, uh, a couple good hitters at the D1 level. So it's going to be interesting. Um, but, yeah, those guys definitely – 
our priority because they have a real chance. You know, other guys that haven't gotten that interest from MLB teams, like I can't make them get interest. I can tell scouts about them, but I can't make scouts like them. So sure. they know that. And I tell them that, you know. So when, like you were mentioning about kids, the, the one kid you mentioned was not draftable or or didn't appear to be a draftable player when he was a freshman in high school. But by the time he was a freshman in college, he was starting to show some signs that maybe something was going to happen there. Do you run into a lot of high school players that your advice to them has to be, all right, listen, you're not ready, but let's look for a good college for you. Let's look for a good fit in college. Does that happen a lot? Yes. Yes, it de- it definitely happens a lot. Like I said, I, I kind of go with my gut feeling when I see them play and I see something that's like stands out, you know, it could be really good breaking ball, could be a really good fastball, could be, you know, the sound of the bat when he hits the ball, could be the way he runs, his athleticism, his body. There could be things like that. You know, I had a, kid, a high school kid from New Hampshire this year that actually helped him to find a college in the South. And, you know, I, I started sending out some information to help him out and like SEC, ACC schools were like, who is this kid? You know, and they were, but he was from the Northeast and um, no one really knew about him. And so he's out of school in the South and um, he's doing pretty well as a freshman. But I was like, this kid on the mound, he has it. You know, he's six foot two, but he's just really skinny, you know, but can spin a breaking ball, you know, good changeup, good fastball. So at that point, like he had maybe one questionnaire, you know, but I was like, this kid's going to turn into something. And so that's when I was like, Hey, look, I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll, I'll connect you with, with some coaches and ended up getting a really good scholarship from the school there. And he likes it. And, you know, that's a kid in two years, you know, I've already established a relationship with him. So hopefully I can keep them. It's not for right. sure, you know, because we can't have them sign contracts right. with the agency. So it's a verbal agreement, which is, which is what makes it tough. I had two guys this year that are going to be in the first round. I had them for a couple of years and then I <laughs> lost them this year, this summer, but they just blew up. But, you know, one of them I had, it was in eighth grade. And I was just wow. like, this kid is going to be, <laughs> this kid is no doubt uh, talent. And nobody called him for years until his junior year. And uh, I was the only one that was going to games and doing all that, but it kind of got out of my threshold. It was like, I was competing with, with companies that have 10, 15 first rounders, you know, every year. So I wasn't really mad about it. I found, I found it to be a success. Uh, I think that's another thing we have to take our failures and, and kind of, you know, be not happy about it, but see the positive in them. You know, you can't always be like, Oh man, I failed and be all mad and, and, and upset about it. Um, I think there's but always it, some, something positive to take out of failures. But in the case, like you just explained, it doesn't sound like you failed. <laughs> it just sounds like that he made a decision for a different reason. I mean, am I wrong? Right. No. Yeah, you're right. So your, your approach is the, uh, is the Jerry Maguire approach <laughs> to, to yeah. a sports agent. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's, and that's, that's what happened. I don't mean, know. Stupid movie, but it was, it was, it was good. I'm sure that that's got to hit home. You know, he had done all that work. The father was talking about how his, his handshake was his word and his, <laughs> you know, as strong as Oak and all that. And, and then he went 
on the day on draft day, you know, and, and he lost them, but you know, then what happened? Then he was, then he was hurting at the, you know, at the end of the movie, they wanted, everybody wanted to work with him. And so, yeah, that extra personal tension has got to just, that's got to go miles and miles. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. It's funny because of my friends, stock Ramirez, I, I coached with him in uh, in the Valley league. <laughs> and that's why he, that's why he, he calls me and cracks me up because, <laughs> because that's, that's just the type of person I am. I really do care about guys. And, you know, even if I, if I lose a guy to another agency, like, I'm like, man, just good luck. I mean, you deserve it. And I've never been upset. You know, I've had plenty of guys that were very, very good players, but you know, it is what it is. You never know. They, they could potentially come back someday. It's, it's possible. Um, but I, I always, like I said, I just try to find the the positive and things, no matter mm-hmm. what the situation and just try to treat everyone with respect and, and be there as a support system. You know, it's easy to be there when the, the kid is doing amazing. He's the best player in the conference or, you know, he's the best player in the minor leagues. But then when he starts struggling and no one talks to him, you know, his girlfriend doesn't want to talk to him. He's so bad. <laughs> you know, you got to be there to have those conversations. You know, sometimes I'm up. You know, I have guys on the West Coast in Arizona. Sometimes I'm up at two three in the morning because they're calling me and talking about, you know, practice or whatever. Or, so, but you got to be there, you know, you just got to show up. That's what I always say. If you show up, some good things will happen. Yeah. So when, when you say, when you say that, you know, there, there's instances where you lost a player. So is it a matter of just the other agency maybe had a better sales pitch that, and I don't, I don't want to say better sales pitch, but a sales pitch that maybe was more appealing to that family. Is that, is that really what it comes down to? Yes, absolutely. So a lot of times I think families and players fall into the trap that just because it's, it's a bigger agency and they have billions of dollars that they're going to get their, their kid more money. But the reality is that the agency has really nothing to do with the player and his value, because if a player is valued at 300,000, 400,000, like I don't care what agent you go with, you're not going to get a million because that's what you're worth. You know, right. um, so a lot of times I think they're oversold on things. Um, they're they're obviously have years of experience, so you can't take that away from them. But when it comes to the draft and you lose a guy, it's kind of like a head scratcher a little bit because they can't, you know, double what you're worth. They can't right. do anything crazy. They might be able to get you an extra hundred thousand, you know, but probably anybody could do it. Um, but it's I always say it's like a, it's like a housing market. You know, if you live in a house. And, and all the houses are similar years around you and they're all selling for 500, 525,000. Like, and your house is basically the same house upgrades are similar. Your house is probably going to sell for the same. It's not going to sell for a million just because it, you own the house. Oh, David owns the house. So right. it's, it's a million. <laughs> I want a million. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's, and that's the example. It's funny. Cause I'm, I'm actually my real life. I'm in, I'm in the mortgage business. I have been for, for 25 years. So what, and I've worked for, I've worked for the largest lender in the country and I've worked for local banks and, and whatnot, a variety of different places. And it's one of the things we used to say when I worked for one of the smaller places and it would be like, well, you know, I've never even heard of this place. You know, why, why should I go with you? And I was like, okay, well, if you, Think of a hamburger. What's the first place you think of? McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that the best burger you ever had? <laughs> God no. <laughs> you know? So, and it's so it's the same type of mentality here where you're you're looking at your players becoming 
one teeny tiny number in this giant machine or be the most important person on my plate you know on, on in my portfolio and and yeah the idea of wanting wanting to be with that bigger company just because it's a bigger company is it's insane but what do kids know you know i mean the kids don't know the parents don't know they're not in the biz right so um right. yeah that's that's got to be tough to overcome but that's that's one of the examples that i always used to give to people is just like you know yeah if you go to you go to you know like i said you know you want to get all your burgers at mcdonald's have at it but um you know if you want you know, Angus prime choice beef, that's different. Yeah, no, it, it's so true. I'd actually use a smaller mortgage company for my house too. And I, and, and I, I loved it because you're able to call and talk to somebody. So that's the difference between right. me and, and, and some of these other agencies is like, you might not be able to get on the phone with that guy. He might be so busy. He don't want to talk to you. If you're hitting bad, he's definitely not going to talk to right. you. And so, you know, if you go with a bigger agency, you're just, you're just a member. You know, and they can get, they get rid of guys. You know, I've, I've had guys that I've, I've heard that <laughs> they ask for equipment and they're not doing well. They're like, Hey, I'm not a sporting goods store. <laughs> like <laughs> I need some cleats, you know, you tell me you're going to get me cleats if I need them and I need them. Yeah. But, so it's just a lot of craziness Crazy. that goes on. But I think that the ones, you know, I have a really good group of, of college guys this year that are so appreciative and they're like, they're always saying like, you were the only one that was there when nobody else was like mm-hmm. some of them didn't even get questionnaires in high school. And now they, they, they're on, you know, their draft prospects for this year. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun this year. I think for the draft, for all those guys that kind of were on nobody's radar and um, just hearing them say like, they appreciate me and when nobody else believed in them and it, it's, that's probably the most rewarding feeling. So, you know, can you give us, um, give us something like what's, you know, you talked about where you, you did speak to a player that was in eighth grade, but is that like, what's the youngest that you'll seriously start working with a worth a player? Is, is it, is it around the, the ninth, 10th grade somewhere around there? I mean, I'll be honest. I've seen 12 year olds that I've talked to their parents. <laughs> They're just outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> like they, I mean, it's just, Sometimes you see something, you're just, it's just different. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, advising them or anything. I'm just like, oh, here's, here's parent. Wow. This kid is really good. I mean, it's just, it's just pretty crazy. I mean, especially in South Florida here, like we'll see a Latin American kids or we'll see the South Florida kids or we'll see uh, Bahamian. Like there's, there's some of these prospects, like in this, in this area that you're like, holy smokes, like this kid's 12, like just the way he moves and fields a ground ball and throws like you're like, wow, like this kid could be a major league player someday. If this, if this keeps developing the way it looks right now, like there's a very good chance. Um, so I've, I mean, I've seen some 12 year olds that are outrageous. Um, not gonna, I'm not going to say, yeah, we're, I'm going to work with you, but I'll follow them and I'll mm-hmm. see them. And, and if I see them at a tournament or they tell me, Hey, I'm going to be at this tournament. If I'm around, I'll go and watch them and, and see how they develop, see how they mentally they develop. Because a lot of times those kids are so good when they're young that it just, it messes with them really yeah. bad. Well, what, they, what, what happens. And I, you know, I've been around a long, you know, youth baseball for a very long time. And what typically happens with kids that are very, very talented at that age, 
what happens is as they grow, you know, everybody is telling them at, at this early age how wonderful they are and how great they are. And everybody wants them on their team. And, you know, he's hitting home runs, he's having all of the success. Well, as you start to climb that ladder, okay, the competition evens out. And mm-hmm. now that kid that everybody's been telling is so great, if they don't prepare him mentally to be able to compete against the kids that are the same ability as he is, that's where you start to lose the kid. Right. And that, and that does happen. So I usually follow those guys. If I see a 12, 13 year old, like the eighth grader, he was 13 when I saw him and he was just, it was different. Like he was like 120 pounds and he was just, you could just see it was just different. It was just the sound of the bat when he hit the ball was different. Um, And so I would say probably by sophomore year, if I'm following a kid from that age, probably sophomore year is when I would try to like, you know, lock it up um, and help them and, and just be there as support throughout those years and see how they develop. You know, sometimes they do develop. Sometimes they, they lose it mentally. They don't even want to play anymore because they get to 90 foot bases and they're just not, <laughs> but, yeah. but that's, that's what, you know, Dave and I talk about the, the mental side of the game. I mean, me as a baseball coach, I put more emphasis on the mental side of the game because I think the game is played more, more from the mental side than it is the, the physical side. That if you're not prepared mentally, I don't care how, what kind of skills you have, they're not, it's not going to help you. So, you know, all of that stuff, especially at the young age, and I try to get this through to other coaches to make them understand you have to start preparing them because as they get up, you know, again, there's going to be a lot of failure. There's going to be times when you go 0 for 15. How are you going to deal with that? Because all of a sudden, because you went 0 for 15, is is your career over? Now you stink all of a sudden? You have Mm -hmm. to prepare them. Yeah, they absolutely need to be prepared mentally and understand. So some of my best college guys right now that um, were very under the radar in high school they all have that like oh well mentality like they're hard workers but they get out they're like I crushed them last that bad <laughs> so it's so it's one of those <laughs> and uh, it's funny because I heard you know I heard a story from a from a mutual friend that played with Mike Trout in the minor leagues and it was like he'd hit a home run and the other three at bats before that he struck out and they talked to him like, Hey man, you know, you got to cut down on the strikeouts. And and his response was, yeah, but do you see that 400 foot bomb I hit? <laughs> so, so I always tell, I always tell my players that story because I'm like, that's why those guys are so good is because they just, they just carry the positives and just stay level headed. And Hey, I struck out whatever it was a good pitch man that pitch was nasty you know right, right. <laughs> instead of those instead of those guys like oh man i should hit that ball and they're running to the dugout hitting themselves with the bat and they're losing they're losing their mind over and you're like what's what's going on here you know and and those guys tend to weed themselves out and those guys that are more oh you know what i gotta go play defense now i'm gonna make a play out here i'm gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna take one away from the other team right. like that mentality i try to definitely instill in my players now I've had play. I had a player this year on scout day ask me, "Hey, you know what should I do?" I was like, "I'm not gonna do anything different. You're just gonna compete. Do exactly what you've been doing. You're just gonna compete. Don't worry about all the scouts. Don't worry about anything that's, that's going on there. Don't try to do too much." And he ended up going two for three in the scout day with a double and had a really really good day. And he's having a good, very good spring so far. But the point of the story is like, if I tell him, "Yeah, man, you got to go three for three with three bombs," like 
what is that going to do? <laughs> you know, like that would, that would be great. Right. But you can't control the outcome in baseball. You know, you could have the same pitch, same location 10 times and get out every single time, or you can get 10 hits in that same location just because, you know, that was your month, you know, and then the next month you can't hit that pitch. So there's, there's kind of no, no rhyme or reason sometimes. And that's why I always tell my guys, like, you should just want to compete when you're a hitter. All you should want to do is compete and put yourself in this really dark place where you just don't want to strike out. Like this guy can't get me out. And if you do that all the time, I think you're going to have more success than trying to have the outcome of getting a hit because you can't control that. That's how my guys hit the ball hard as many times as you can in a game. And that's all you should focus on. Don't worry about hitting it far. Don't worry about hitting the gap. Just try to barrel up the baseball as hard as you can consistently. And it's a better way to go about it. To your point, I drill this into my players all the time. And I tell them that if a recruiter walks onto the field while you're playing, and let's say he came mid-game, he should not know whether you're throwing a no-hitter or you just gave up three bombs. He should not know. By your demeanor, he should not be able to tell. Go out there and compete. Get the next guy. Play the game one pitch at a time. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's crucial. So yeah. how does somebody that's uh, that's out of your out of your purview, um, how do they get your attention? Is it um, sending you videos, sending you stat sheets? Like how how do how do we get somebody on the road on the right path with you? So I would say, I would say sending me a video. Um, people can email me at joseph at empowermentsportsgroup.com. They can follow me on Twitter at Joseph R. Guzman and Instagram at Joseph R. Guzman. And, you know, sending me a video and then I'll, I'll go and watch the kid. I'm not, I'm, I'm never just like, oh, look at this video looks great because, you know, video shows what you want people to see. Right. So, right. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to show you when he struck out three times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you want to go and see that. I mean, one of the biggest things I think I evaluate now for position players is their plate discipline, how they take pitches and what their swing, how, how their swing looks, you know, because guys can have a great swing, but if they don't make contact, then what's, what's the point of having a good swing or you have guys that make really good contact on fastballs. And then when they throw a breaking ball, it looks like they're, you know, they're dancing. So that's, <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's not, that's not a good thing because if they're dancing at high school age, they're going to be running out of that box at the college level. And if you get it at the pro level, they're going to just be walking back to the dugout because they don't even want to look at that. Um, so, <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things. I, I look at body language. I hate seeing players that are like, you know, they look like their cat just died after they struck out and they're about to cry. You know, it's like you got to get over it, you know, because you have so many at bats left. And seeing that attitude and seeing them drag out to the field, like I watch all those things. I watch how they set up, you know, like as far as before the game, like who's the guy that's warming up. And um, we had a player last year that went to a pre-draft workout with the Tigers here in Lakeland. And so I drove up for a day. It's only about three and a half hours for me. And um, funny story. So I'm, uh, the kid was from California. He's a Juco kid. He's doing really well this year. And um, he was on some boards last year uh, for the draft. But um, 
so I get there and I'm texting him. I'm there early. Like I'm there like two hours early. He's not answering. I'm like, oh man, I hope this kid like not asleep or something. He's from California. <laughs> and so, and so I walk out to the stadium and he's out there like sweating. Like he's like, he's like ready to like two hours early. Like he's like ready to go. And I'm like, this is what, this is, this is oh, the reason man. why I like this kid, you know, cause I've seen him like before games, but that's like an hour before, but like, he was like full sweat and, you know, he was like California, like didn't have a tan cause it wasn't warm yet there. And like, he was just sweat, red face, like just completely ready to go. And then <laughs> it, it was just like seeing that was like, it was, it was, I was so happy to see that. And so the whole workout went through, they didn't run the 60 till after. And of course they asked the guys now in this workout, Hey, you know, who wants to run the 60 or some guys, you know, not everyone has to run it, but if you want to run it, of course, he's the first guy, you know, he runs it. He's, <laughs> he, he smokes everyone to 60 and he's just like so much energy and like, and you see things like that. And it was, it had nothing to do with what he did on the field. It was like the before, like he's full sweat, ready to go, excited to be there. Three hour time difference. So for him, it was really 5 a.m. And he's just like, no big deal. You know, it flew in the night before and just got after him running. Awesome. But now, but now here, here's the, the important question. How often do you see that? I bet it's very rare. It, it is, it is rare, but then there's also like this 10% that are on a different level now. Yes. Of, of kids as far as like really wanting it and developing and, and, and the way they eat and, you know, I've, I've just had so many encounters with guys. Like I had one guy I was on, he ended up going to SEC school. I didn't get him, but I'm still close to the family. And the kid, like it was his brother's birthday and they had, they had cake for his brother's birthday and he, he wouldn't eat it. He didn't eat cake. Yeah. He didn't eat cake for the birthday. Right. And, and everyone's like, what's going on? And it was this whole senior year. He was like this, you know, even now he's still like this at the SEC school. And they were like, well, you're not going to have cake. Like, he's like, no, I haven't had it in months. He said, that's not going to help me get to the next level. Right. So he, he just, he had like a protein shake, like smoothie. He's like, get that thing away from me, man. That's not going to help. Me. He throws 95 miles an hour. So it makes sense. Why, you know, <laughs> yeah. so different, different level. There's like, I said, there's like that 10% now that you're like, whoa, like right. these guys are, these guys are on it. They're in the weight room. They're working hard. They love the game. And then you have a lot that are just like bunch of emotions. And it's, you know, it's, it's something that we try to instill in our players, especially with the travel organization, because I'm with those kids pretty much 12 months out of the year, whereas my high school players, I'm only with like three months. And, you know, out of the hundreds of kids that are in the program, there's maybe half a dozen that you know, do their weight training, they do their strength and conditioning, they, they watch what they eat, they, you know, they, all of these things that you were just talking about, they do that. But again, out of hundreds of kids, maybe six. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's not that many that have that type of drive. There's not, it's definitely gone down a lot. Um, but I will say the ones that small percentage, like I said, 10% might still be high. But I'll just I'll just give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's ten percent. They are like way advanced, like as far right. as like lifting. Like they're, you know, they they know their data. They know what they did that day. They know, 
you know, what they need to eat. They, they go to sleep. Like I have some guys that like nine o'clock they're asleep, you know, right. and, and we've talked about how sleep is important. And I, I do a lot of studies on that. I've talked to a lot of sleep doctors and things. And, but some of these guys, like, you don't have to tell them like, they're like, right. I'm going to sleep. I got a game tomorrow. And, and right. they're like, um, so it's, it's, it's God's, and that's why you see like the velocities increase. Cause some of these guys are just really, really in tune with it. They do their training. They eat right. They sleep right. You know, they do their, their recovery. They got, you know, red light therapy. They have ice packs. They have, you know, the Theragun and they're, they're doing everything. And then they yep. come out to the start and you're like, man, this guy's amazing. But some of them, like I said, that small percentage, they're very advanced with their with their training and, and how serious they take it well, yeah I, I you know 10 percent i was just gonna say 10 percent is probably right on because you think on an average team that's one kid right you know i mean you, you know you're thinking like 10 percent of the of the whole population that might be too much but when you break it down team by team if there's 16 kids on a team it's one possibly two kids so that's you know that that's probably about it yeah i had i had a parent come to me not that long ago and uh, in the travel organization, I work with the 14 U players. So this particular kid is, he's not even 14 yet. He doesn't turn, turn 14. He's believe it or not, Dave, you've heard me talk about him. He's 13 years old. He's six foot two, about 220 pounds. Wow. At 13. He's a monster, but he's one of these kids like you were just talking about that takes it to heart. So I was telling, telling the boys that, Hey, you know, we're training at seven o'clock in the morning on Sundays, which means that you have to be here between 630 and 645. So I want everybody in bed on Saturday night, 830, nine o'clock so that you're ready to go, you know, and you're not sleeping when you get here. So anyhow, again, the one kid, the dad came up to me, he said, I don't know what you did to him. He said, but every Saturday night, eight thirty, nine o'clock, he's in bed. He's up before I am ready to go. And so, you know, hopefully, I need, you know, I need that kid's name. <laughs> Cause that's like, it, it, it goes such a long way, man. I just, you know, when I, like I said, when I get a phone call from one of the players just randomly, like, Hey man, I had my game today. You know, I did this. Like it's such a good feeling that you don't have to like, Oh, let me call him and see how he did because they don't think far enough ahead. Like they like, I like to see that appreciation. And and the fact that that kid is doing that at a young age, it's, it's awesome because there's not that much responsibility in the, in this, in this generation anymore. And if, if they're doing that, that shows that he's dedicated. He's dedicated right. I to mean, that. I think he's got most of the battle won already at an early age because he understands and I mean, I'll tell you that he does have a lot of mechanical issues. So as mechanics, we got a lot of work to do. But like, like I was saying, most of the battle is won already because I know I can count on him. If I tell him, listen, you got to give me a bucket of balls every night. And this is the drills I want you to do to make sure, you know, we're getting the right swing path. I know he's going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, whereas there's other kids. <laughs> You could talk until you're blue in the face. And when they come to practice, they'll tell you, yeah, coach, I hit a bucket of balls. I'm like, you didn't hit a bucket. You you haven't hit a bucket of balls in a month. <laughs> right. I can see in that swing, right? You missed six balls right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I mean, so I'll keep you posted on his pro- his progress. If, if he progresses the way I think he will, then 
yeah, maybe there's something there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, people don't realize the extent that, like, Russell Wilson from the Seahawks, they said he spends a million dollars every year on his on his chef and his training and everything for him for himself to be better. Like, so that's the extent that Russell Wilson does. And so JD Martinez works out a place down here, reroute performance that I know, I know Joe down there and some of my guys work out there. So it's a cool experience for them to see, you know, JD Martinez and Miguel Cabrera and all these guys, but JD Martinez literally has a hitting guy that travels with him. Wow. And stays whenever he's at home, he's in Boston. He stays, he stays there and he works with him on his swing. Wow. And he invests in that. But JD Martinez is just like such a different breed. You know, he was a, a later round D2 draft pick and he got cut from the Astros and he reinvented his whole swing. Yeah. And, but mentally, you know, he made more money after 30 than most guys making their whole career. You know, and he, he, he reinvented himself at 30, but the mindset was there. I mean, he was flying all over, flying to California to get checked in with, with different hitting instructors there or doing video analysis. They're changing his swing, you know, and then he has this guy that is going to travel him this year. He's like a protege of the, of the guy from over there. And, but he pays to have this guy with him whenever he's in Boston. Right. Throws him extra pitches, throws him, you know, and because he's so, and he always watching video of himself, always watching video of himself. Um, And that's what it takes. You know, guys think, oh man, J.D. Martinez is a great hitter. Well, he wasn't always a great hitter at the pro level. He had to completely revamp his whole swing and learn how to hit at the big league level. So, but it took the mental aspect that we're talking about all this time to get there. You know, if he doesn't have it, he just he just would have weeded himself out, and he would have been effort. done. All right, effort and attitude. It's all about effort and attitude. Yeah. I hammer that down every week. Absolutely. Um, all right. So yeah, so this has been great conversation. It's been great talking with you here, Joseph. This is uh, Joseph Guzman at EmpowerSportsGroup.com. You can reach him on his email address there. He's on both Twitter and Instagram at Joseph R Guzman. And, um, you know, reach out to them if you, you have any questions about getting to that next step, whether it's getting into college or getting looks for the MLB, uh, go ahead and reach out to him. This is what he does for a living, guys. So uh, he's a great resource. It's been great to have you on and hopefully we'll be able to get you on again down the line. Maybe after uh, this round of drafts, we could talk about who you, uh, how your boys did. Yeah, man, that would be great. I really appreciate you guys having me on and we'll, we'll definitely circle back when the draft comes around and. Have some good, have some good stories, some good stories. And so <laughs> I look forward to it, Joe. I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting conversation and I just want to thank you for taking the time out and coming talking Dave and I. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always glad to help and it's important to help those, those younger guys coming up and you know, the best advice I can give all those guys that, that love the game is, you know, give yourself a chance and reach out to coaches, reach out to coaches, go to those, those college camps that you, you really want to go to. You know, and don't waste your time on, 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 you know, going to this big showcase somewhere just because it's a big showcase doesn't mean there's going to be colleges there, you know, kind of narrow it down and go to that college coach. And before you get there, you let them know who you are. You send them some video, you send them your, your GPA your SAT and your information. That way he knows when you, who you are when you get there, you know? And I think like, like Jimmy said, and David said, and write, write a letter, you know, put that address on there, stamp it and, <laughs> Like the old days. <laughs> <laughs> we 
got to teach them how to write in cursive first, but yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but that's a great idea. No chance right. for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Joseph. Really appreciate you spending the time with us tonight and uh, we'll hope to talk to you again soon. All right, man. Really good talk. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Joe. All right. See you guys. So there you have it. Our conversation with Joseph Guzman from the Empowerment Sports Group. This was, uh, I thought this was an eye-opening conversation. We got into topics that you and I have not gotten into under our normal conversations that we've had or any of our guests is a totally different direction. I thought it was great. What'd you think, Jimmy? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a great conversation. If I had to say the main thing that I took away from this conversation is that there are a lot of good baseball players out there. And, you know, sometimes there are guys who slip through the cracks and you as a baseball player have to understand that you have to go out and make things happen for yourself. And I think one of the things that we spoke about where reach out to college coaches, try and get on their radar because you never know. And I think a lot of those players that Joe was talking about, it, it was a situation like that where, most of these players weren't on anybody's radar, but yet they still had the ability and they went on to do great things. So believe in yourself and, and take matters into your own hands and make things happen for yourself. Yeah. I mean, the, the two main things that I take away from it is number one, you know, getting into the whole mentality of you know, division one or bust is, is a fool's errand. There are sure. so many opportunities out there. And, and Joseph talked about it. There's so many opportunities, whether it's Juco Division two, division three, as long as you're getting reps, as long as you're getting good instruction and you're getting good reps, really that that's what it's going to, that's what it's going to take to get you on the radar. Everybody has film these days because everybody has camera phones, right? I, I mean, so it's not like back in our day where somebody had a this foot and a half long, uh, you know, VCR <laughs> tape recorder on their shoulders. It was one dad had it. If, if you were lucky. And uh, and you could get a tape that then you'd have to copy the tape a hundred times to send it out. You know, I mean, so it, it's it's that part of it. There's really it takes a lot of the excuse out of it is is what it boils down to. And if you're not going to take that step to just you know your your parents don't have to know anything about baseball, but they can catch you on they can catch you on the camera, right? I mean, they they can yeah. catch you on film. So um, it really takes a lot of that excuse away, and 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 the onus is on you as the player to make sure that that gets done because you've got a lot of opportunity to do it. Uh, the other thing that I took away and, and I think he only mentioned it right there at the end was about sending your transcripts, uh, yes. showing your GPA and all that. Sure. MLB doesn't care about that, but colleges absolutely do. Uh, yes. They cannot be putting, they cannot be reserving a spot for a kid, even whether you're getting some money or not getting some money, they can't be reserving a, a spot for a kid that's not going to be able to play because he's going to be academically ineligible. Yeah. So, you know, again, something else we don't really talk about here, but both of us being high school coaches, I know it, it's affected the team that I I'm with. I assume at some point in your years, you've had some, whether it's absolutely affected or you've had some close calls with players, I assume you've had uh, something with that over the years. So um, don't forget that part of it too. You know, the, the colleges are looking for well-rounded players. They're not just looking for somebody that's going to be able to hit 20 home runs and steal 15 bases. That, that, that's not it. Right. And I want to also appeal to the high school players out there, even though I, I think that Joseph did a good job of splitting it up between guys who are going to be professional players and guys who are, who are trying to get into colleges. 
the 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 other thing that high school players need to understand is that you have to try and narrow down your focus instead of going to all of these showcases where you know you're basically a grain of sand on a beach narrow down your focus and find the school that that you believe you want to go to find the school that you can go to academically and then reach out to the coach get on his way make it a, a more of a of a, of a personal experience rather than, you know, the showcases where you're just a number and let's put it this way, it'd be better off for you to narrow it down and get to that coach and, and, and develop a relationship with him. I agree. Like you said, it, it you know, you might have a, a couple of hundred kids at a showcase, right? I, I mean, yeah. you're going to, and, and how much different is your fielding a ground ball going to be than the next 12 guys? That, that go behind you. So uh, anything you can do to differentiate yourself by making sure that they know who you are beforehand, maybe they perk up a little bit when they, they hear your name called or your number called or see your name on the list uh, as they're going down, checking all the boxes. So uh, I think that's, that's Yeah. I think that's great advice. So I think we're, we're going to wrap it up for this week. So again, great conversation with Joseph Guzman from empowerment sports group. Appreciate him taking the time with us here. I hope you guys appreciate it because he doesn't get paid for doing things like this. You know, he gets paid to help your kid, your player move up through the ranks. And that's, that's what his job is. So I, I think his, his advice and his stories are invaluable in helping uh, advance your careers. So let's uh, go ahead and uh, hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. Subscribe, rate, review, hit us up on uh, Apple podcasts or Spotify. We've been moving up the charts. Our listenership is growing by leaps and bounds. It's fantastic. So uh, keep letting us know. You can reach out to us on Twitter at the CTB show. You can hit either of us up on Facebook, uh, just using our regular names. Uh, and then email us. It's uh, clearingthebases at gmail.com, clearingthebases at gmail.com. We've been getting some great feedback. We appreciate that from you guys. Keep hitting us with it. It's It's great. So I think Joseph talked about this himself. Keep in mind the two things you can control, your effort and your attitude, 100% effort, positive mental attitude, PMA at all times, and great things will follow. Final thoughts, coach? Yeah, I think Joseph actually um, accentuated my point by, by talking about how he wanted people to understand that you know he cares and he's going to do what he can do to help you. So that leads me into... What I always say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one.